by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Amen, amen. Thanks, Gary. Um, obviously, that praises for the Lord and what He's doing. It's it's cool to see um, Julie graduate. Um, you know, when Vanessa mentioned that you know she's has spent the majority of her time here in this place. Man, she's a citizen of this kingdom. She's a citizen of this church. That is uh, that is special. That is uh, very special. So I'm looking forward to uh, when my girls. Um, graduate, and other kids that have basically been birthed into this children's church, this church itself, uh, but into the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. So really cool to see. Um, Welcome as we, um, uh, this Sunday morning as we continue, can you turn me down, RJ? Uh, As we continue in our series, The Cross and the the Kingdom, uh, I'm sorry, The Cross and the Crown, uh, I'm excited to be a part of this uh, series. Um, we're also excited that we've got a team halfway on the other side of the world doing service. Amen. So please keep uh, their families and, and themselves in prayer. You've got, uh, um, you've, I'll go with ladies first. You've got Brandy, uh, who's with them. You've got Pastor Jason. You've got Pastor Vaughn and Brother Carmelo. So keep all of their families uh, in prayer in Nigeria. Amen. Amen. So when Gary was sharing the scripture in regards to um, um, doing things so other people can see, just like the hypocrites did, um, we invest a lot in things that nobody sees. Uh, A great example he used was Vanessa and and Julie and the children's church and the children themselves. That's an investment that we all give into that we don't see... um, as far as fleshly eyes, we see the fruit of it, but we don't see, um, you know, the investment and the growth of it um, compared to, um, uh, you know, a, a, a building, a um, new TV or something that the eyes can see itself. So, and it goes the same with, with missions. We're investing in um, Partners for Water. We're investing in another country, um, and we may never see the fruit of that. Somebody say amen. amen. We talked about Wednesday in Hebrews uh, um, chapter 11, verse 3, that many of them died not knowing or seeing the promises, but they knew and they believed. Amen. And that's how we need to live. Amen. So I'm uh, grateful to be up here. Um, Want to get right into it. And 
If you're with me, uh, turn to chapter 2 of Matthew. And I'm going to recap a little bit of um, what we spoke last, last week. We, we literally spoke of the rivalry of the kings. Um, Pastor Vaughn had mentioned uh, King Herod and King Jesus coming into this earth and the rivalry um, that both of them were, were partaking in in length. And, and we, we talked about how the kingdom themselves were a rivalry from this earthly kingdom to this heavenly kingdom with the Son of God being birthed uh, in Bethlehem. We talked about the star that led the wise men in that journey over two years to the King of Kings and, and, the, and the Lord of Lords compared to um, hiding from King Herod and the difference in that. Uh, Pastor Vaughn had mentioned <clears throat> how that type of response uh, is also a response on us. Who do, we, who do we worship? Do we worship the kings here on earth or do we worship the King of Kings? Is it Jesus that we worship or is it this world that we worship? Um, um, we talked about Jesus' arrival and how it forces us uh, to choose. You have a choice, this world or the next. You have a choice. You can live in sin willfully um, and perish, or you can repent and have everlasting life. Amen? Amen. In this portion, before we get started, uh, we're going to focus on the conflict, not just the conflicting kings, but rather the conflicting kingdoms. And that's a big difference. Um, and I, I, I think uh, uh, you'll see this very clearly as we, we get into our, our scripture and into this portion of the series. But we will be focusing on uh, the conflicting kingdoms. So if you're with me, uh, Matthew chapter 2. Let's start at verse 13. I think we left off in 12 last week. Say amen when you get there. Amen. amen. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, talking about Joseph and the family, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. So there's a couple of things I need you to really grasp here in this uh, direction. One, the obedience that Joseph and his family took, going from um, a citizen of a specific place to becoming immigrants. He literally asked them to pack up and go. Pack up and go to a different city. Um, most immigrants leave their, uh, the, their existing situation for protection, for pardon, for promise, and for prophecy. Most immigrants, I don't know if I can, most immigrants leave their existing situation for protection, pardon, promise, or prophecy. And so we find that even as a young child, as a young king, Jesus' family instantly become immigrants. The angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Arise and go out. Go to the city of Egypt until Herod dies or until I give you word so that you are safe. Protection. In verse 16, 
Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, we talked about that last week, how um, they got vision and they got prophecy from the angel of the Lord not to go back to Herod. So they went a different way. And this is referring to that situation. When Herod saw that he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts. From two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying, A voice was heard in Ramah. Lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So we see he here Herod, king, taking into his own hands his own kingdom, saying, Listen, I got to protect my own kingdom. But it also shows us why the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph Mary, Take the baby and get out of there. So they become instant immigrants. In verse 19, when, now when Herod was dead, and just like the promise in verse 14, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought this young child's life are dead. Then he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. So, just like the angel of the Lord promised earlier in the scripture, he says, when Herod is dead, when it's safe for you to come back, I'll give you word. So his word comes back to the family and says, arise, become immigrants again. Go. Go back to Israel. Verse 22, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets in the Old Testament, that he should be called a Nazarene. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your power. Lord, we thank you for your protection. Uh, we thank you that you continue to speak into us, Father God, in many ways. Uh, you give us opportunities to flee destruction. You give us opportunities to flee to promise, protection, pardon, and provision, Father God. We know that you are a good, good father, and you always do what's right for us, Lord. We may not see it, we may not feel it, we may not understand it like Joseph and Mary did. They've got a newborn baby said to be the king and they've been asked to become immigrants instantly, Father God. And just as this child became an immigrant from heaven to earth, Father, we are citizens of this kingdom. We ask that you would help us and teach us to be immigrants of this world and to be citizens of heaven. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So if you haven't guessed, the title of our message uh, today is The Immigrant King. And it started very early, as we all just read, while he was a child, he became an immigrant. We're talking physically became an immigrant here on earth. Jesus was an immigrant, and so are we. If you don't understand that all Christians are immigrants, you need a little bit more clarity. 
Christ identifies himself and understands our situation. And as followers, we should imitate his example and learn from that. We need to have compassion on the foreigners or the sinful or the ones that don't know the Lord. That's what an immigrant king did. We need to learn from that. We need to show grace grace on, on people who don't know grace. You've become a citizen of the kingdom, and you expect citizens of this world to understand what you understand. Sorry, my friend. It doesn't work that way. You need to show grace and mercy. Many of us come from different regions and countries, and we recognize that we're also strangers and exiles on this earth. But I want to start with Jesus being the immigrant. First and foremost, Jesus being the immigrant left the glory of heaven to come to this earth. RJ, can you show that picture of of heaven and earth? Literally left the glory of heaven and the right hand of his father to come down to earth as a child to be part of an immigrant family to go from city to city to city. Jesus was an immigrant king. His kingdom is not the earth. The Gospel of John highlights um, my declaration by defining it this way in John 1 verse 1 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. He was with God, was God at the time in the beginning. This earth was for immigrants, was created for immigrants. The Apostle John uses this common term to his readers as a, a, almost like an exile. Somebody who's departing a certain position to go into another position. The Word is God, the eternal creator and sustainer of the world, became part of his creation. Are you following me? Jesus literally became an immigrant by coming here onto this earth. An immigrant king. John wants us to understand that Jesus Christ is not only God, but God here on this earth at that time. As a baby in the flesh. An immigrant child, an immigrant immigrant king. These wise men understood this. In verse 14 of John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father. Full of grace and full of truth. I, I want you to understand that the second person of the Trinity, of this holy Trinity, left his seat and became an immigrant for us. Do you realize there's really two purposes for Jesus? There's really two, I should say, two 
This is his MO. I'm going to put it this way to you, and, and this is what I've learned in my experience. His MO is compassion and revelation. That's it. There's nothing else he desires. It's compassion and revelation. He desires to be revealed to you and everybody else. And he is compassionate to all people at all times. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own people, his own creation, and those who were his own did not receive him, John 10, 11 says. You know the challenge with being an immigrant when you chase promise, prophecy, pardon, and protection? Sometimes you're not received in the new land. The Bible tells us here clearly Jesus was not received here on this earth. His own creation refused him. Many of the Jewish still think that he has not come. The wise men knew, here's the Messiah, thousands of years ago. And people still refuse him to this day. So much so, we try to take him out of government. So much so, the school don't want you to pray for him or, or about him. He is living in exile in some of our lives. Did you know that? Some of us treat Jesus as an immigrant during the week. Wait, no, no, but Sunday he's a citizen. Sunday he's a citizen. Let's hold on real quick. He has the rights to my kingdom. He has the protection in my kingdom. But during the week, he's an exile. Some of us Christians act that way. Sometimes all it has to do is you open an app and all of a sudden Jesus is an immigrant. He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 through 8. Man, that's the true definition of an immigrant. You do whatever it takes for your loved ones. Yeah. My family are all immigrants. I mean, most of us, but, uh, just me personally, I mean, we went from Cairo to Canada to California. You think my dad had any clue? He was doing exactly what he thought was right for his children and his family. And Jesus was the same way. Amen. Think about that. Imagine getting vision and saying, take up your family and go. You've got a newborn baby that everybody's trying to kill. Many of us in, in this country are immigrants. By this government standards. I'm not getting into that, but you understand that some of us leave an existing situation for protection, pardon, promise, or prophecy. The second person of this Godhead, the God of the universe, became an immigrant when he came into this world. Do you know that he was not only an immigrant when he came, but he even lived as an immigrant. 
This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He lived as an immigrant here on earth. The Bible tells us that the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. He lived here on this earth in exile for you and me. So much so that he was willing to die for us. As a child and his family, they ran away to Egypt. You know, what's, what's amazing to me, <clears throat> and I begin to start thinking in, in all these details, but you remember when the wise men brought him gifts? You know what I thought to myself? I bet you they used those gifts to pack up and go to another country. I, I, I would imagine that if somebody blessed me with something that is of value and I decided to be obedient to the Lord, I would take that gift as a sign from God saying, hey, I'm going to use this so I can get out of this place. And I believe they, Joseph and Mary did that. The wise men bring them gold and frankincense and all of this stuff. Two days later, the angel says, hey, pack up and roll. What do you think they did with that? You think they carried that stuff with them? I'm trying to share with you that even as immigrants, God will provide. I'm trying to share with you, even as being the immigrant of king, the father provided for his son. We just look over, oh, the wise men, Christmas, cool. Man, there's so much more into this. They had to, can you, uh, just as immigrants, what, some of the things you have to deal with, language barriers, financial uh, discrepancies, challenges, uh, travel, health, sickness, mail, letter, addresses, whatever it may be. Think of all the challenges that immigrants face. They're running from something and to something. They're trying to save their children, their future. They're trying to create a future. Jesus, by no means, was any, any different. And the family that he grew up, by no means, was ever, any different. I mean, he had a human father. He had a human mother. One's a carpenter. Where does he go when he has to go to Egypt? What, what are you going to do there in Egypt? As a family, as, a, a, as immigrants, leaving one country for protection to the other. Looking for work. It's really how the Gospel of Matthew describes this situation. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up! Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. This was to protect the Son of Man, to fulfill prophecy, and to add provision for all of us. See, when you're part of the kingdom, or if you're a citizen of the kingdom, you have the rights of this immigrant king. You become a child of his. You become a citizen. Jesus and his family, in obedience to God, left everything to save their lives. 
Once they get comfortable in living in Egypt, they have to go back to Israel. Jesus, an experienced traveler already as an infant. Give us hope. And the cross is no difference that he's willing to put his life, even as a child, ahead of ours. Jesus was not only an immigrant here on this earth, but also in this land. From Nazareth to being born in Bethlehem to preaching in Judea and Galilee, this traveling son of man, this traveling immigrant, seeking to make citizens out of all of us. That's why they say in John chapter 146, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Jesus grew up in Nazareth. And many of us have this tendency to, and I would imagine at that time, we do it nowadays. If you're not from the same city, some of us look at each other the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, coming into a different city with, a, with an ass and, um, and some luggage and a brand newborn baby? People are thinking, why are you guys traveling? And I could see Joseph tell, man, we're traveling for promise, for provision, for prophecy, and for protection. Not knowing that this baby that Mary carries from town to town to town is the, the son of man that will grow up to come in and have this triumphant entry. We have to understand as a church, as Christians, that Jesus was born as an immigrant. You know, the Bible tells us that he understands all of our emotion, our pain, and our suffering. And feeling out of place is no exception. So don't kid yourself. When you're in a new town or a new city or a new environment, a new opportunity, a new position, whatever it is, if you feel like you're an immigrant in a certain spot, Jesus knows how you feel. Yes, that's right. He did it willingly. You may have done it willingly, but most of us find ourselves in a new position unwillingly because we're not so obedient like Joseph and Mary. Because I just told you, I know Jesus' M.O. It's, it's about compassion and revelation. That's it. And if he needs to move you so you would have more revelation of him or he's going to show you some compassion some way and you don't obey that, you are unwillingly putting yourself in a precarious situation. You are out of where you're called to be. Second, we need to understand as Christians, as the church, that we are all immigrants. Can somebody say amen? amen. Oh, serious? Like 10 of you did. Can somebody say amen? amen? We are all immigrants. And I don't care if you're a citizen of this country or not. I am spiritually speaking, we are immigrants of this world. The Bible tells us that we are in this world, but not 
Thank you. When you understand that, that the Bible clearly teaches us that when we receive the gift of eternal life, you have become an immigrant of this world. Can you say amen? Amen. When you receive the gift of eternal life, graciously given to you by Jesus himself, the immigrant king, you become a citizen of his kingdom, which makes you immigrants to this world. You know what's the scariest thing? The scariest thing is that Christians do not act like immigrants in the world. We act like citizens in the world. We act like citizens in the world. We're completely comfortable Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. Come Sunday, oh man. You, you th- you, we begin to completely think differently. All of a sudden now you're a citizen of the kingdom and an immigrant of the world. But for the rest of the week, it's just the opposite. That is scary. Absolutely scary. I will tell you what happens to people that live that way. For in Philippians chapter 3 verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven for which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you act like a citizen to this world, 90% of the time, chances are you will become it. You could pledge allegiance to this world. But find somebody that, that acts like an immigrant to this world. That's not uncomfortable Uh, that is very uncomfortable in this world but very comfortable in the kingdom and lives a life that way, that person's a citizen of the kingdom. He's not a citizen of this world, nor is she. For our citizenship is in heaven. What's your citizenship? Do you act like an immigrant around this world? Can people see that you're an immigrant? That you are different? That this is not your land? That you don't value the things of this world? Can people see that you're an immigrant or a citizen of Christ? Can they see that through you? Ephesians 2.19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. So, in other words, when you are a citizen to this world, you are not saints to God's household. You become an immigrant to God. For many of us, I think this, this balance of... That's why the Bible talks about our, our, our flesh is weak, our spirit is strong. There's this constant battle over everything. Yeah. Every single thing. Good, right, bad, indifferent, fat, black, white, green, yellow, skinny. Everything is a battle. Yeah. 
Because if you're of God, you're an immigrant to this world. It should be a battle. Let me tell you something. It's not going to change. And if it does, something's wrong. That means you've become a citizen of this world. So as Christians, can we please agree that because we're immigrants of this world and citizens of the kingdom, that there's going to be a constant battle? Just put that and in your mind, on your memory, in your phone book, put that scripture. I mean, that's how we have to think. We have to understand these things. That there's a spiritual battle for this world and the people of this world. RJ, can you put up the, um, the battle of this world? This is daily. This is every second how about that? Forget daily. Forget every decision you make. This is every single thought. There's a battle between the citizens and the immigrants, regardless of what side you're on. And man, the only help we have is the immigrant king. Amen. I'm telling you right now, the only help we have is the immigrant king. I know the Bible says his grace is sufficient, but sometimes... You turn your ear and your heart away from God long enough, he'll be glad to make you a citizen of the world. He will turn on a cold ear, on a cold heart. He will allow you to have the desires of your heart. If the desires of your heart are in this world, he will give it to you. Many of us use that scripture, oh, going to give me everything I want. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's going to give you hell and eternal damnation if that's what you choose. You want to live your life like a fool and not understand that there's a spiritual battle and never seek the kingdom and never act like a citizen of the kingdom and never worship the king of kings, the immigrant king who came to this world to be like you, to suffer so that you would have eternal life. You want to turn your back from that? He will say, okay. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Beloved, Beloved, I beg you, as aliens, sojourners, strangers, pilgrims, put any words you want in there, exiles, to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Put that picture back up there. Now do you understand? Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners, pilgrims, To abstain from the lustly fleshes that wage war against the soul. <clears throat> Consequently, Jesus was an immigrant. Consequently, all Christians are immigrants. Country, region, earth, space, matter. We are immigrants. This home is not our home. This place is not our resting place. I know 
that 2,018 years ago, he said on this cross, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Certainly wasn't Brea. Can you imagine that? For 2,018 years, he's been preparing a place for each and every one of us. So as we pledge allegiance to the immigrant king, we have a place outside of this world. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. I referenced the scripture earlier. I don't know why. But I want to share with you that we talked about this on Wednesday. That the book of faith, all these people, Sarah, Noah, Abraham, Moses, all of them died without receiving the promises. But having seen them and have welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Now I know. Do you remember when Pastor Vaughn says, can you imagine what did they see? And he read the scripture about Saul when he was uh, stoned to death. And he saw Jesus in the sky, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he tells Jesus, forgive these guys that are stoning me while my clothes lay at the feet of the future of uh, the Apostle Paul. They all died in faith. And we talked about this on Wednesday. How special is that that we understand that they had revelation. They saw their home. They saw their kingdom. They become aware of their citizenship. They've pledged allegiance to the right king. Not to Apple. <laughs> Not to this world. Not to your job, your finances, your situation. It's all temporary, brothers and sisters. Amen. If you're a true immigrant, it's just temporary. Because immigrants flee for protection, provision, promise, and prophecy. We will all be fleeing here one day. And if you're not constantly fleeing in this world, then you are of it. And the Bible does not speak highly of those who live in this world. As we were strangers and exiles on the earth. It just doesn't, it just doesn't mix. You cannot, <coughs> you cannot bring it together. Uh, uh, an, an immigrant um, feels like an outsider in a different land. They don't feel like they're part of it. There's always confrontation. The language, the finances, whatever the case may be, there's always an opposition as an immigrant. It's physical and spiritual. If you don't feel uncomfortable, people who are getting hammered or uh, just willfully sinning, then something is wrong. Then all of a sudden you have not you're not an immigrant of, of this world. You've become a citizen of it. If you feel comfortable around those things. All these people in the book of faith of Hebrews chapter 11 died in faith without receiving the promise, but have seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. 
Our Lord experiences the same situations as all immigrants right here, right now. Whether you're an immigrant in faith, immigrant to this country, immigrant in anything else, Jesus Christ has experienced every single thing that you have as an immigrant. Foreign land, refugees, inspiration, moving from one place to another. As Christians, we need to understand that we are immigrants of this world. When I tell you they, they don't mix, they don't collide, you look at... Um, uh, show the other image, RJ, of the, the two worlds. The, there's, there's, just a, there's, there's good and evil. There's, there's, there's life and there's death. There's, there's just this collision, this separation between heaven and hell, period, put. Certainly this is not heaven, and can anybody say that this place is heaven? Absolutely not. You can have everything in this world and understand that this place is not heaven. The wealthiest man on his dying bed says, I wish I had done more. That's not heaven, said Steve Jobs. Amen. This is the battle. It doesn't conflict. There's, it doesn't um, mesh together. Like oil and, and water. There's a constant battle because of their nature. Do you know that, that oil and water cannot be mixed chemically because of their, uh, because of their chemicals? Oil is very light. Um, water is very heavy. If you've ever noticed, I'll give you... <clears throat> I'll give you an example. Show that beacon, RJ, of oil and water. Once you clean a, 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 a dish that had oil on it or a frying pan and you add this water to the oil, you see that they instantly separate. As immigrants, we should instantly be separated from this earth. As citizens of the kingdom, there is a divide. There is separation. We should not be able to... Be alike if you would. Somebody would be able to say, hey, is that oil or is that water? No, 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 no. They don't look at Miss Peaches and say, is she a Christian or a non-believer? You know instantly. Amen. You know instantly. The separation is instant. Amen. There's two reasons why oil and, separate, oil and water separate and do not mix. Reason number one is the molecules in water are extremely heavy. There's two... Uh, sorry, there's three to one molecules in an atom of water than there is oil. If you look at the Gulf or an oil spill in the ocean, where's the oil? Oil's on top. Water sinks. Water's chemically created much heavier than oil. It cannot exist. The other reason that oil and water do not exist is their polarity. Polarity is this term that electricians use to define the charge, positive or negative. 
So your battery, every battery has a positive and negative side. That's polarity. You're describing the negative and the positive charge. Same thing with water and oil. Oil has two negative charges while water has two positive charges. So they do not mix. They cannot mix. Show the picture of the oil on top of the water. That's literally what happens. They do not mix because structurally their, their molecules are packed differently. More densely water is packed and more positively charged are the molecules in water. And I give you these examples to, so that you would understand, show the, uh, the battle of the earth, is that there's always opposition as kingdoms. Whether it was King Herod and his kingdom at that time, and knowing that Jesus is not only going to be potentially King Herod's replacement, but all the kings to come's replacement. He was the king of kings. There's an opposition. There's a, a battle for, for power. There's a battle for, for, for your life. Every millisecond. We look at it as, oh, decisions that are made. Oh, is this a battle, Lord? Let me tell you, you just had 12 million battles while saying that sentence. When you have something that's conflicting or abrasive, uh, you look at it as opposition, instantly having a discontent or a, a rivalry, something that is at odds or adverse. How about incompatible, unmixable? You don't see a Christian doing things of the world and you don't see the world doing what Christians do. You just don't see it. I just gave you an example of school and government and everything that we try to separate faith and, and state. There's something that's dividing us. Can I tell you it's how we're made? The Creator came down to His creation we're created in the image of God. We do not mix with this world. Can you say amen? Do you understand? You are water. The world is oil. You outweigh the world. Didn't know you were going to get a chemistry lesson and a word. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> At odds, incompatible, unmixable, unfavorable. Most of us would call this as opposition. Opposition. Immigrants leave an existing situation because of opposition. Do you leave the kingdom of this world because of opposition? We're looking at two kingdoms colliding and in conflict. We, and we, our king is an immigrant, has come to this world for us to make us all citizens. Some of us battle, I mean, we battle kingdoms like nobody's business. I mean, sometimes we battle the kingdom of just telling the truth. You lose that battle constantly because you're not a citizen of heaven. Some of us battle 
the kingdom of pornography. And you want to say you're an immigrant as Jesus was. We should have the reaction that immigrants do facing opposition. Please tell me you're following me. We should have the same reaction as immigrants do when they face opposition. Flee! Run! Jump aboard or take your family. Whatever you got to do, run from opposition. Come on, Christians. Don't run with it. Don't act like the world. And then come on Wednesday and Sunday and act like a citizen of heaven. That doesn't work. Do you know how many million of people have gone to see Jesus and the Father himself has said, I never knew you because you were a citizen of the world. I'm going to land this plane if I haven't already crashed it. There's a battle. Flesh, spirit, mind, body, this world, the heavens. This rivalry, we have to... Have you, ever, have you ever found yourself in a fight or in a battle and you look to your corner and you need somebody to tag and nobody's there? Nobody's physically there. You don't see them with your eyes. You don't hear their voices. Do you know that my immigrant king was that for me and I didn't even see him? And he had both arms stretched out. Tag any arm you want, Ray. I got you. And he's the same with you. Just come to my corner. I'll fill in for you. Just come to me. Confess and repent. I'll take care of you. Come to me. I'll take that addiction away from you. Come to me, all who are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Because when you fight a battle on your own, chances are whoever you're fighting, they're not on their own. I'm telling you right now, you are always outnumbered. Unless you've got the immigrant king. Listen to this, all of you, turn to James chapter 4 for me. And please say amen when you get there because I'm going to show you... The difference between becoming a, a citizen of his kingdom or somebody that shows him opposition. James chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. Adulterers, men, and adulteresses, women, that means everybody, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Stop right there. Do I need to say more? If you are a citizen of this world, you are an enemy of God. 
If you are a friend of this world, you're an enemy of God. If you are a friend or a citizen of this world, you're an immigrant to God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It literally says it twice. That shouldn't make you stop and reread it. No, not at all. Or highlight it or underline it or memorize it. It's crazy because sometimes I look at this scripture and I said, all right, he's talking to the Greeks and Jews and then he's talking to the people from Brea. You know, like it's, it's like the language barrier. There is no language barrier. I'm going to describe it to you perfectly. You want it in Arabic? Here it is in Arabic. You want it in Greek? Here it is in Latin. Whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you the way you can hear it. Yeah. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? But he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So listen, first he tells you what not to do and what happens. In any language you want to read it. And then he tells you what, what he'll do, how he will act if you resist him, and how he, you will be received if you're humble. He literally's given you instruction for life. Listen, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. We've got that cleared up. Thank you, Lord. If you're prideful, God will, will resist you. Okay, thanks for that. I'll remember that. But if you're humble, I'll give you grace. Oh, that sounds important, Jesus. Thank you, Brother James, for putting it in clear value for us. Opposition and values and power and justice and right and wrong and good and evil. We get in caught of this battle for allegiance between the world and this way of being, just as Herod was, just as Pharaoh was, and everybody else in this world, and we do not... Do not worship the king of kings. We worship things of this world. We worship kings of this world. Many of us are on social media wishing everything that, everything you see you wish you had. <laughs> everything. Oh, look at these red bottom shoes. Oh, oh, look at this Bugatti. Oh, dang. Look at McGregor's suit. Oh. I wish I had that, Lord. There's this battle of, oh my gosh, what is, look at, I mean, it, yeah, you can say it, man. Thank you. And do you know what that social media has caused? You know, even the church has become a consumerist church. Yes, yes, right. Literally. Buy this, do that, buy this, buy this, do this, do this. Here's another book. This is the 12th book that this pastor has written in two weeks. How is that possible? He didn't write that. Certain things like that. Everything. Everything is given to us to consume us. And you know what? It's Satan. He's pulling this earth into him. He's saying, oh, I got these guys. They just want to. Listen, listen, uh, listen, legions. Listen, legions. Lin Linda, listen. Legions, listen. I can see Satan talking to the legion of angels. Listen, you only got to do two things. Consume them and keep them busy. That's it. Everything else will take place. 
Can you imagine Satan just laying back and just say, consume him. Just keep him busy. And the Bible tells us in the last days there'll be deception. And all he, all he has to do is keep you busy. Oh, take the OT. Take the extra job. You need to make more money. No, fool, you need to stop spending money. You want to isolate your family, your church, your ministry, and everything else so you could pay for the debt that you caused by making bad decisions and not being a good steward? And you want to get this other job and even separate yourself away from more? That's just the Satan saying, just keep him busy and consume him. That's okay. He wants to please his wife. He's a good, faithful man. Give her everything she desires. And, and literally, some of us men will do that. We will do everything for our women. Just give them everything. I'm going to work extra. I'm going to work extra. One, we don't want to be around them. And two, we just want to just keep them happy. And Satan will plant that in the mind of the man and say, you are doing a good thing. Ask any one of those men if they've taken their wife in the closet and prayed over them. Laid their hands on them. Not the way you guys are thinking, but literally <laughs> laid their hands on them and say, Lord, this is the woman that you've given me. Keep my deception away from her value. Because her value strengthens the man. I don't know how I got into that. We get caught in this battle for allegiance. Many of us understand this. We are not of this world, this, this, uh, this, this Christian term. And it comes from John 18, 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants wouldn't fight. Ooh, that's a message for us. If you are a servant of the king of kings, you should not fight with other servants. Look at your neighbor and say, my battle is not with you. Now look at that same neighbor and say, I need you in my battle. Uh, John 18.36. Jesus says his kingdom is not of this world. And as followers, Christians, we need to remember that the kingdom is not of this world. Philippians 3.20. I'll remind you of that one. For our citizenship is in heaven, which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here on earth for now, but we eagerly wait for our lives. That's why the Bible says that our lives are nothing but a vapor here. Boom, done. Boom, done. The past couple of weeks, we, I don't know, every kind of movie we've seen, I've, I've seen... Even just kids' movie, like Instant Death, Instant Death. Uh, last one we were watching, Monster's House, where the old man comes out of the house, grabs the kid off his lawn. Why are you on my lawn? You know, and, and he's like, stay off my lawn. And he just passes. He has a heart attack. Instant. Gone. Gone. Our life is nothing but a vapor. I'm being, being reminded of that constantly. 
I get a sore throat now. I'm like, oh, Lord, is this it? Is this it? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's all men, not just me. But I really, really, yeah, don't, I know you can say amen. It's okay. It's all right. We got to give them a couple every now and then. Our life here is nothing but a vapor. Jesus left heaven to come to know and to feel what you feel here on earth. He became an immigrant. And he calls us to be immigrants. He calls us to be citizens of his kingdom. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. The things of this world that we all struggle with, hunger, finances, famine. None of us are excluded from that. It's all part of our life. If I can leave you with a couple of things, as I promise you, I'll, I'll land this plane. Do not love this world. Amen. Do not love this world. The Bible clearly tells us, if you do not love me more than your father and your mother, he's asking for all of you. Men, that means that great woman that's in your life, she is also just temporary. That your true love is the Father. And women, this man that God gave you, who's loving, who's protective, you know who made him? Your true love. He knows what you need. He knows what you want before you even ask. In your womb, he had that man or woman picked out. In your womb, he had a child named for you. Matthew chapter 25, if you would all stand with me and let's read this together. Worship team, you can come up and we'll wait for you. Uh, RJ, if you could just bring down the lights and... It is remarkable to me, and I cannot comprehend it because I'm human. Everything God has prepared, planned. Do you know that he's thought of everything? I'm going to become an immigrant so you can be willing to be an immigrant. I'm going to feel what you felt so you know that I know how, uh, how you feel. I'm going to die for you so when I ask you, you need to die for me, you are willing. You know that it's possible. I'm going to become a foreigner and an immigrant so you can learn to be a foreigner and an immigrant in this world. God has laid it out. There's nothing that surprises him. There's nothing that he didn't think about.
in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus says that when we receive a foreigner, we are receiving Jesus. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a foreigner. I was an immigrant. I was a stranger, yet you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did you see, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the immigrant king says, this is how I answer. Assuredly, I say to you, in as much as you did it to the least of these, you've done it to me. The immigrant king is saying, I've showed you how to become an immigrant, a foreigner, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I've given you all the examples, the tools, the powers. I've done it myself. So you would know as a human it's possible. And with the spirit that empowers you, the same spirit that rose me from the grave can empower you so that you can treat people with love, compassion, And be the example of an immigrant here in this earth. Because that's not, let's be honest, love, compassion, those are not words that are used by this world often. Jesus shows us the way to be immigrants and how to serve. He came to serve. We recently anointed some feet. We washed some feet. We read a scripture out of John. Jesus stands up after washing the feet of the disciples and says, Listen, I did this to show you. I did not come to be served. I came to serve. I did this to show you I am an immigrant king. Our calling as Christians... is to understand that we are foreigners of this world, we are immigrants of this world, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and we need to see people with the eyes of Christ. Just as he did. Just as he saw you, just as he saw me. I'm no different from you. I'm only three steps taller. Nothing special about this person. I'm filled with the same spirit that rose him from the dead just as many of you are. I used to be a citizen of this world. I no longer value the things of the world, even my most precious things, my wife, my children. I've got a lot to, to hold near and dear. I got a lot to value. I don't have everything in the world, but man, everything I have, is the world to me. So as we sing this song, King of my heart,
I want you to consider is he the king of your heart or is he an immigrant in your life? Maybe he's a king of your heart, but he's an outsider in parts of your life. Take this chance to change that. Come to the altar and pray. God be the king of all my heart. Do not be an immigrant in my life. Help me not to treat you like an immigrant in my life. Be a citizen of my heart. Be a citizen of my mind. And let your Holy Spirit be a citizen of my soul. That should be our prayer this morning. As you can see, we've got communion. We're going to open the altars. The prayer team will be up here. And we're going to sing this song. Be the king of my heart. And whether you are taking bread as a symbol of this body that has been broken for you and for I, but was resurrected on the third day, or whether you're drinking of his cup, let him fill your cup. Let him fill your cup. Let him be the king of your heart. I was nowhere you came to my rescue. From the grave I've been raised. When I needed a savior to save me, Jesus, you made a way. listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.